This is Ozarks at Large. After the pandemic began, a new segment began on Ozarks at Large on most Thursdays, Sound Perimeter with Leah Uribe. Leah Uribe is with me via Zoom. The pandemic is still going on, so we can't be in the same room just yet. But Leah, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me. Thank you so much, Kyle. It's so great to be here. And, uh, you know, Zoom has been a really good opportunity for all of us to connect. So I'm happy that still, under the circumstances, we are here talking about important things. Yes. I want to ask you about many things. But first, let's talk about Zoom and being a musician. You've utilized it, I think, as a musician and as a music instructor, have you not? I have since, uh, you know, the quick shift with no... Uh, you know, we didn't know this was going to happen. We switched immediately to uh, teaching and connecting with our students via Zoom, which is challenging, you know, to say the least. Uh, the experience, the way to direct students. We are very tactile, you know, like, look, let me look at your read as a bassoon instructor. <laughs> let me see how you're posture. Let me see this fingering and everything. It's very, very close. So, you know, to adapt has been a really uh, interesting um, process, but, uh, but it's been I think we have succeeded. We, we don't want to be here forever, but we have accomplished a lot. Sound Perimeter has uh, been with us for about a year. What is your inspiration for what you share with us every Thursday? Well, Kyle, I come to this community and to this world of classical music with many identities. And I realized a long time ago that many of those identities of mine and people like me are not represented in the world of music, in the world of classical music, in stages, in those, uh, you know, huge platforms, uh, performing art centers, etc. So uh, I came to Sound Perimeter with the intention of expanding our musical boundaries, <laughs> basically, really bringing some of the music that has meant a lot to me both as a professional musician, as a member of a community, as a Colombian person, as a minority professor, as um, you know, somebody that has explored a lot of other expressions in daily life because uh, that's who I am. And I feel like it's important to feel into those gaps for others to be able to see themselves uh, in the music that we share with them. It's interesting because music is audible. So some people uh, through whatever means, may not realize how uninclusive, if I can make that a word, how uninclusive classical music might have been in their lifetime. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I am part of that system. I'm a, I, I am a product uh, of that system, right? Classical music. And we learn, I learned since very early in life to uh, revere, you know, the pieces of the great masters and to learn how to play the masterworks and to be proficient in a world that you know, um, is revolves around a very specific canon. So while, you know, by no means, I don't want to take away the value of uh, that music, that music has immense power to me to emotionally, intellectually, otherwise. But at the same time, uh, there are many voices that have been left out for different reasons. Um, it's important to look at the reasons, but it's also very important to be proactive in that change and uh, if nothing else, my cause is beyond just the uh, artistic and, um, you know, aesthetic experience. But if nothing else, we're leaving so much beauty out of our realm that uh, to enrich our environment and these experiences, uh, those voices are necessary. 
but there's more to it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very important conversation about social and creative justice that we can have anytime that is as, um, you know, very important as well. Well, and, and part of that is also happening in your podcast, which also has started since the pandemic set down upon us. That's right. And you're talking about Reflections yes. Music Series, which is a very, very beautiful project, very dear to my heart and the heart of uh, members of my team. We got a chancellor's grant back in the end of 2019 with this idea of ours just to bring some diversity. That was the initial uh, intention. And it was very much focused around um, Latin American music, you know, given that many of us in the team are from Latin America. But uh, of course, the pandemic happened and uh, George Floyd murder happened. And we needed to shift our intentions, our plans, and really use the power that music has to equalize, to challenge these uh, structures, to uh, bring those other voices, to bring conversation. So um, that's what we do with Reflection. So the podcast uh, is, is a component of it. We also bring musicians uh, to the forefront of the activity to teach in the music department. Uh, those musicians that we bring to participate in the podcast, in the conversations, in the master classes are citizen artists. And what we look, we're looking for people that are committed to excellence in, in music, but at the same time that are moving, you know, their communities and change and bring a message of advocacy. So we want to learn from them. We want to partner with them. We want for them to hear what we're doing in our own community. And we want to kind of expand this interaction and create a network of people because, uh, you know, the pandemic has brought, uh, of course, desolation to our arts and culture, right? Uh, music is not happening the way it used to be. Our uh, fellow musicians are suffering. They're not having uh, jobs. Uh, there's a lot of healing that is needed that usually the arts, you know, and music provides that healing, but now it's not happening. So how to rechannel what we do, heal our communities, these conversations about racial inequities and injustices and uh, everything else. Um, that's a uh, dynamic of society that needs to be healed as well. And we're looking with these conversations, with these activities also to, to delve into that. Uh, we're also, you know, bringing through the podcast and reflections, um, you know, the intention of create some pipeline leadership. I think we need more people that look like me, sound like me, you know, from diverse communities to come and take these roles and understand that being a musician and being an artist and that voice needs to be a strong and needs to lead new initiatives in order to transform these dynamics that have been, you know, quite small and to the privilege we want to, music is for all. Music, we know, anyone who listens to music knows it can be healing, it can provide a place of solace. Can it also, especially for people who have been marginalized or ignored or underrepresented, can it give a sense of advocacy and, and power? I think so. And actually, you know, I am more interested in that power of music, right? I mean, I'm all about going, you know, to the concert after a really hard day at work and forgetting about life. But really, I think it's a thought for us in this world of, uh, of the arts, as arts administrators as well, to know that power that we have, we have the platform, we have the stage. And if we uplift those communities that have not been represented, we're giving them a voice. We are rebalancing, right? And uh, and all of these situations in society, I mean, let's talk about the shooting a couple of weeks ago, the Asian community suffering, the murder of George Floyd, and that responsibility we have to connect with those communities in the power that we have. Let's get their music. Let's get them to present what is important to them. Let's put them at the forefront. 
uh, even more so, let's give a space because this space has been occupied by the same type of, uh, you know, people all the time, right? In classical music, it's all about the um, Eurocentric model and music uh, written by the dead white composers. Again, that's beautiful, but there's more. We have the platform to uplift these communities and to be proactive in their, you know, being part of the in, in our communities or to our communities in a more balanced way. And of course, for them as well, when you feel yourself, this is this is an interesting conversation, Kyle, because as a woman, for example, uh, it took me years and years and years. I've been playing bassoon for a long time to find a woman composer that wrote a piece for bassoon. It's not because they were not there, but in my mind, in our minds, you know, they were not, or we were led to believe that that music was not good enough. So we as women, and add to that, uh, you know, identity, many others, immigrant, uh, minority, you know, whatever that is, right? We feel less because we don't see ourselves in these stages. So we are led to think all the time that there's something intrinsically less about us or wrong about us, that we have to always look up to the others that are in the center, uh, in the spotlight. So absolutely, that's what we do with music. We empower people and we empower communities and we hopefully are creating and disrupting these to create more balance. And what I love also about this is the re-emphasis that classical music is contemporary. It's not just those composers who lived 200 or 300 years ago. It's being created now and in the very recent past. Absolutely, and that's, that's in the other world to discover. You know, I mean, we need to communicate with people, with the living, <laughs> right, that want to see their own situations being represented on a stage. And that's the other power of the arts. You know, we see life reflected back to us. And, and sometimes words are not needed to really understand the impact of situations, societal changes, political structures, right? Everything is right there in the music. But if we are set up in this, you know, old frame of the masterworks, we, we become versed in those dynamics from 200 years ago or 400 years ago or 50. But what about today, right? And those voices that are speaking our truths and our experiences, so that's also super important to open our spaces to music that is being created recently and, and, and to connect with those voices and also feel that much more real representation, I think. Do you and your colleagues who might be uh, traditionally underrepresented in classical music still feel pushback against exploring the non-white composer world? I do. Uh, some of my colleagues do. Um, the system, you know, this is a, it is a conversation about the structures and systems that need to be challenged. Um, we can change all we want in our, you know, my own environment is the music department at the University of Arkansas. Uh, at the same time, I am educating my bassoonists, uh, my students, to be able to go and audition to be a principal bassoon in a major orchestra. And if that orchestra doesn't change the audition list, then I am misleading my student, right? Uh, you know, opening a spaces for something that is not going to make them successful in the system. So these, uh, this fight and this conversation uh, has many fronts, and we try to cover many of them. But of course, from that very, you know, line of thought, some uh, of us are, you know, are, it's hard to to, to keep that uh, advocacy because uh, we don't know if we are going to be successful with this fight. So it's a balance. Uh, and that conversation that needs to be normalized at every level. I had a really good meeting today with a colleague from Juilliard 
And uh, of course, whatever Juilliard says or does, we're going to follow. They are the main institution in music or one of the you know top institutions in music. And I think that's what we need to do. I believe in the power of community and my advocacy has been very much centered in my community because I think that this is my closest, more effective um, you know, way to use my time and my words and my voice. But at the same time, those connections are important. So we find that support and we, we can move this uh, at, a, at a faster speed. This has been such a tough 13 or 14 months for musicians and, and patrons alike. But soon you'll be performing in the atrium at Walton Arts Center along with some other musicians. Tell me about that. I am. Um, this, this is an interesting um, you know, event, Kyle. Uh, Sona has been uh, collaborating with the Walton Arts Center uh, both organizations that are dear to my heart that I have worked with uh, in different capacities for a long time. And um, this pandemic brought to me uh, really silence with my bassoon, not only because all concerts were canceled, but because I was, my mind was in a different place. Uh, you know, uh, in our routine of uh, preparing something for, preparing music for some, you know, upcoming, you know, engagement. That's how we work. And I didn't have anything to work for. So, um, it's my coming back. <laughs> There's a piece in the program by our local composer, Catherine Murdoch. It's called Swan Song. And I presented that um, a few weeks ago in an episode of Oscast, mm-hmm. this really cool project that has been going on in the area. And um, the Swan Song was a piece that um, a clarinetist from Wichita State commissioned to Catherine uh, for his retirement. Uh, based on this idea that he's ending and he's starting something, you know, the last, the most beautiful song before you die, right? Or maybe not, because maybe the opportunity of transitioning and bridging into something else. And that piece will be in the program at the atrium. And and it represents exactly what has been this uh, pandemic for me as a musician. Lots of silence, lots of reflection, lots of uh, redirecting my energies uh, as a performing artist as well. I think it's important for me to be very proactive in the selection of my repertoire. I have always been that way, but I I want to really emphasize that advocacy. This program is all centered about minority composers, a lot of Latin American composers, uh, women composers, um, new music. So uh, I'm super thrilled that I have a group of colleagues, Miroslava Panayotova in the piano, Fernando Valencia and Madruska in the percussion. We have been playing together for a long time and we are all connect in that idea of bringing um, important and marginalized music to the forefront. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, on April 18th at 2 p.m. Thank you so much for a year of Sound Perimeter. Thank you for everything you've done to help expand our boundaries of music. I look forward to a collaboration that lasts, well, until we have our own swan songs. (laughs) Thank you, Kyle. Likewise, it's been very important. Uh, for me to 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 connect with KUAF and to have your support and to to you know to feel that acceptance that my voice is welcomed uh, with my accent and my our, our identities and my everything that is mine um, you know to to be able to share it in a public space. So I appreciate everything KUAF does uh, for my communities, for uh, for our community, for. Um, you know, to really, you are at the forefront of this conversation as well of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and I owe a lot to KUAF for the many steps we are moving forward. We'll, we'll keep taking those steps. Leah Uribe, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Kyle.